Not the boring, generic, milquetoast stuff coming from the network in Connecticut. I'd describe him as the best, obviously. Cattles. He throws it out there. Speaks his mind. That's cool. And Rami. He's supposed to make people laugh. He's just an expert at it. Cattles and Rami. Live and local in the afternoon. Sacktown Sports. It. You got it. Let me brag about myself for a minute. That. Look at you. Again. Dude, I, I walked into this building 10 minutes ago, and I realized that I was supposed to be recording something with Nate downstairs that you were doing. A little social media thing? Yeah, a little Kings thing. Yeah. And uh, I realized this at roughly 1.52. <laughs> so I ran downstairs, jumped in the seat that you were sitting in, put the microphone on my hoodie. Uh-huh. Uh, answered Nate's questions succinctly. Microphone off. Yes. yes. Grabbed my bag. Mm-hmm. Ran back up the stairs. And by the time I'm walking down the hallway, the on the uh, air little thingamabob outside the studio is off. You're I'm a like, beast. <sighs> You're an absolute beast. Proud of you. Get my workout in early today. All we do is win here on the Cattles and Rhymes show. All we do is win. Win, another, win, win. Another one. Another one. Maybe not Kyle, but the rest of us. No, Kyle too. We love him. All right, we're two minutes into the show before I caught a stray. <laughs> love is strong. Love's a strong word, Simone. We have it. Love you too, Nick. Tolerate might be a better word in this instance. Wow, it didn't take long. It really didn't. Kyle's right. It didn't take long. I do what I do. I do what I do. It's got to be a record. I try my best. I haven't even done something to piss him off yet. That's right. JJ is out today, obviously. Um, and we got Simone behind the glass with us as well. And uh, Rami, as always, with me here on this beautiful Thursday. It is beautiful. Uh, we are going to uh, give the show to Simone later on for a segment, which frightens me. We'll see how that ends up. <laughs> it could go so badly. It could be in great hands. It could go really, I'm really looking bad. looking forward to it. I'm warning people right now. Even though it's almost like three hours away, I feel like I need to give you all the warning. I'm looking forward Simone to it. Simone will be taking over the show for a segment. We have no idea what to expect. I'm here for it. Uh, meanwhile, we start the show with the finals. Of course we do. Game three, Denver Nuggets win a big, big game. Simone, during her headlines yesterday, had that stat where it's, I don't know, a, a pretty high percentage of teams that win game three and seven game series end up winning the series. So Denver with a nice big win last night to go up 2-1. It was a fairly easy win. It, it wasn't really, you know, any any kind of excruciating uh, circumstance or uh, tough to deal with, a, a fairly easy win. And, and Rami, I think what stood out to you the most stood out to the most of us, which was Miami from the field, shooting-wise, they were struggling it's last not, night. It's not profound. I no. know. It's not, it's not profound, but you don't – and especially with this Miami team, man, you, you don't make shots at a very high rate. And you're just not going to win. Not against this Denver team. And it wasn't just the three-pointer, Nick. The, I mean, they weren't hitting the three-pointer yesterday again. But in the paint, in the restricted area, Denver was 20 for 29. 69%. Nice. While holding Miami to 8 for 23. In the restricted area, they were 8 for 23. They shot 34.8%. The Nuggets, 60 points in the paint, almost doubled the Heat's 34 and they had a 58 to 33 advantage in rebounds as well. It's I talk about this a lot. I talked about it throughout the King series. 
It's often about who's going to get more shots. And not only did the Nuggets get more shots last night, but they shot it at a much, much higher clip than than the Heat, who couldn't buy a bucket from beyond the three-point line or from inside the restricted area. And when that's the case, they have zero chance to win a basketball game. And you're right, Nick, throughout that game, there was there was really no chance for the Heat. The the Nuggets took control of it early. It got closer and 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 more and and more of a blowout throughout the game. But you felt like the the Nuggets had that game in control for pretty much the entire night. Soon after that thing tipped off, no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. You felt that way watching that game. And and there's a there's a through line for the Miami Heat this postseason. It's rather easy. If they shoot incredibly well from three, they win games. If they don't. They lose most of those games. They need to be shooting like 45% or better from three to give themselves a chance because they don't have as much talent. And when you are trying to make up that much talent, you need to shoot very, very well, which they did against Boston and the wins against them. They did against Milwaukee and the wins against them. And they did in game two in Denver. They shot the lights out in Denver from three-point land. So it's a part of that, and it's also the others. We talk about the other guys And for the Heat, because, again, you don't have overwhelming talent, especially with, you know, Jimmy Butler. He's been going a little off and on with his aggressiveness, Mm -hmm. off and on with his shot making. Bam Adebayo has been somewhat inconsistent since late in that Boston series. You need the other guys to step up. And last night, Rami, between Kevin Love, Max Struess, and Gabe Vincent, your three other starters in that game last night, aside from Butler and Adebayo, those three guys scored a combined 16 points. They shot 5 of 22 from the field. They shot 4 of 15 from three-point land. If those players play that way, this series is over in two more games. Yeah. This is going to be JJ's gentleman sweep. Yeah, because that that's been that's been what's gotten them here is is the combination of and I said that's what they would need to win this series. The combination of playoff Jimmy showing up consistently and Jimmy Butler was solid last night. Yeah. 11 of 24, he finished with what? 28 points on the night in in 40 minutes. Honestly, I didn't think he should have played 40 minutes. I'd have pulled him out of that game earlier than Eric Spolster did just so he has fresher legs moving forward in the series, but Jimmy Butler was good last night. But I said from from the jump, Nick, they were going to need playoff Jimmy to show up night in, night out, and they were going to need the rest of these guys to continue to surprise us. The the Gabe Vincents and and the Max Struces of the world were going to need to continue to surprise us and contribute in a big way and a lot of that coming from beyond the three-point line and they shot 31 percent from three yesterday nick the heat won't win most games almost every game where they shoot 31 percent from three and they're certainly not going to do it against the likes of Jokic and murray who were absolutely at the top of their game last night we've mentioned this before cattles and rami here on thursday Sacktown sports Miami, what they're doing shooting the basketball this postseason is historic. Yes. That's not hyperbolic. No, when you look at the real. numbers, when you look at the volume of threes that they're taking to go along with how they're shooting in their wins especially, this is something that is historic. And if you fall short of that, you're likely going to lose. You're likely going to lose the series if you don't keep that up, and that's very, very difficult to keep up. Meanwhile, here was Jimmy Butler in the post game talking about the lack of energy from his team. I don't know. I can't answer that. Uh, maybe, you know, we're at home. We think we did something. I, I don't know. It just can't happen. It won't happen again. And it starts with myself. Um, you know, I got to lock in on a defensive end. I got to go up and, and, and get loose balls. So um, I think if I start 
playing and doing that, then everybody else has to follow suit. My takeaway, and I agree with Jimmy, the, the energy wasn't there at all times. You saw Denver winning a lot of the 50-50 balls, doing a lot of the little things that Miami also has to do to win this series. Denver's response is what stood out to me. I, I thought their response was excellent. You lose game two at home. What you want to do is what they did last night. Game three in Miami, you walk into that building and you take control of the series again within 25 minutes of game time. That thing was over, and that was a statement. That was a statement win. They were more disciplined last night than they were in game two. They were more aggressive, especially Jamal Murray early on in this game than they were in game two. That is a championship response on the road and especially a championship response from your two best players. Nikola Jokic went for 32-21-10 for the triple dub. Here was Jamal Murray in the postgame talking about the synergy he has with Jokic. He's just reading the game and and, and trust that the others are going to make the right play. You know, if he throws it to me, he he knows and expects what to see from me, and he knows the mood I'm in, the intensity I'm playing with, whether it's low or high, time and score, and, uh, and vice versa. So they have that synergy. They have that two-man game. Not only did Jokic have a triple-double, Rami, but so did Jamal Murray. He was 34-10-10 last night. Here was the joker on his teammate. He's playing phenomenal, I think, uh, the whole the whole playoff. and uh, he's, We're just following him, like I said. and He's a really good leader. His energy is amazing, and we are just following. Yeah, they're following Murray. Um, so here's, here are some, here are some stats. I love that Jokic is putting up triple doubles regularly, like literally averaging a triple double of the playoffs. He's like, oh yeah, no, we're just following that guy. He, he's up there with the most humble superstars that you've, that, that you'll come across. Especially when I give you this stat, 30, 20, 10 playoff games in NBA history. Jokic has two of them in 2023. Jokic had another one in 2021 in that postseason. Only two other guys have done that. 1970, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. 1967, Wilt Stilt. I think uh, Lisa Salters, I think it was that stat. She brought up some stat, some historic, thing, one of the many historic things that he's done in this playoff run to him after the game. And she said, what does that mean to you? And he went, oh, not much. <laughs> I think Lisa responded after. I had a feeling you'd say that. Like he, and he really doesn't care, man. The guy just wants to hoop. He just wants to go out there yeah. and hoop. And doesn't he doesn't want all the hoopla and all the spotlight. He doesn't care. I mean, he wants to win a championship. And I'm sure the MVPs are, are somewhere on display in a special place or whatever. They can, or maybe at mom and dad's house. I don't know. But the dude just wants to hoop and is very okay with with deflecting some of that shine and praise to to Jamal Murray and the rest of his teammates. We're this, following him. Get out of here. It's the first 30-20-10 game in finals history from Jokic last night. And Jokic and Murray were the first pair of teammates with a 30-point triple-double ever. Just ridiculous. Ever? Just ridiculous. If Murray wins the battle against Butler... Denver's going to easily win this series. So your thoughts on Game 3 last night? Hit us up at 916-339-1140. That's the text line. Phone number is 1-800-920-1140. Coming up in 90 seconds, we have some big-time breaking news that is likely to impact the Kings offseason. We'll get to that in 90. When it breaks, we have it first. It's Sacktown Sports Breaking News. All right, so we got some uh, big-time breaking news here, which is not good news, at least on the face of it from what we know right now for this Kings offseason, Rami. We've spent a lot of time talking about Sasha Vizankov. We spoke about him earlier this week. 
He suffered an injury today. It's an apparent right knee injury. He uh, suffered the setback in Game 2 in the uh, series that Olympiacos is in the middle of now. Uh, Vizankov was visibly in pain. He received assistance to the locker room. He was carried off of the floor. Um, The EuroLeague MVP left the arena before the end of the game to have an MRI, which will determine the extent of the injury. Now, I don't want to be too panicked just yet because we've seen guys hurt their knee, get carried off, and you think, oh, no, you think the worst, and then you find out it's a hyperextension, it's an MCL. So I don't think we, we we go too far with this. But this is obviously big news. We, we've covered Vizankov a ton. The Kings have sent a number of people from their front office. They've sent a contingent of people across yes. the way to see Vizankov play. And there's been a lot of thought that Vizankov could be one of the bigger targets of the Kings this offseason and fill a hole. Fill a hole at least off the bench. Maybe even fill a hole of Harrison Barnes. And now, Rami, we get news from the game he played today that he uh, suffered an apparent leg injury. And, and by the way, thanks to uh, Deuce Mason, who found this story at basketnews.com. I saw him tweet it out, which, which alerted me to it. But uh, now we have Zenkoff apparently suffering a knee injury and being carried off of the floor. And it sounds like he was m- immediately taken to a hospital to get an MRI on that knee. Mm. And yeah, Nick, you're right. This, uh, if if this is serious, if this is something that's that would keep him out long term, you th- this definitely could could change the uh, Kings' off season plans. They didn't send Mike Brown and and Monty McNair and everybody else that they sent over there to watch this guy play and to talk to him because they they weren't interested. I I I get the sense that he was Plan A. You know what I mean in terms in terms of off season acquisitions and major pieces that they planned on adding to the roster this year. And I'm sure, as as good organizations do, there's a plan B, C, and D, and and maybe maybe a few more. So it's not the end all be all. First of all, we don't even know what the injury is, right. how serious the injury is. But should it be something that keeps him out long term, it's not the end all be all. And I hate to be really cold about it, but just from a the business of basketball standpoint, it's it, the timing of this is fortunate because it's not like it's not like this happened middle of the off season and you already had them signed and and the free agent market had dried up. You know what I mean? Whatever whatever plan B, C, and D is, that it's it's still out there and and it's still an option and it, and it hasn't been nixed by other teams snatching snatching guys up off the market. So you hope for the best. Can I ask a question though? Why is he still playing? European sports make no sense to me. Like we talk about rest and downtime and and uh, and load management. Is it just me, or does European soccer and European basketball just never end? They just played the Euro League Championship two weeks ago. Now, now it's the Greek League Finals. How many leagues is this team? And Sasha Vizenkov in? And when exactly is the off season, man? Yeah, I don't understand. I can't. I don't. I don't understand why he's still playing basketball. We have to uh, update that bottom ticker. Let's make sure it's an, a knee injury, not an ankle injury. Uh, we also misspelled receive. So. Well, the tweet I, that I saw said ankle, but then when you open the article, it says knee. Mm. Yeah, I made the same mistake you did, Rami. Yeah, it's an apparent right knee injury. 
So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll keep an eye on this. Again, look, we don't know the extent of the injury, right? We, Let's we, panic we, anyways, though. We don't know. You want to run around the room? Just go, go a little crazy? Say, ah! <laughs> um, we, we don't know the extent, but here's what I'll say. Look, out of precaution or whatever, you've got to take this pretty seriously because he was carried off the floor and he immediately went to a hospital for an MRI. I will also say that, you know, when somebody, and I'm not saying this is what happened to him, okay? I'm not saying this is the injury. I'm not saying he tore his ACL. But when you tear your ACL, you can get that diagnosed pretty much on the spot. So they would already know if he had an ACL tear. The reason why it wouldn't be out there just yet is that they would be getting that MRI done to confirm the initial diagnosis on the spot because they can check the knee and they know pretty much right away this is an ACL. So we'll we'll see what the injury is. But Sasha Vizankov suffers an apparent knee injury to his right knee, carried off the floor during his Olympiacos game a little while ago, uh, taken to a hospital for an MRI. A couple of other things. You know, you mentioned it, Did you it, see Rami. the video of him being carried off? He's, I did. He is actually carried, like carried, carried. Yeah, off. they carried him down through the tunnel. Yeah, there's no weight being, no weight bearing. Um, here's what I will say. I agree with you as far as the timing goes. Look, nobody... Absolutely nobody wants anyone to get injured. Yeah, I hate to be that dude. But but if you're going to get injured, it is certainly better to get injured right now because, as you mentioned, the Kings can now pivot to whatever plan B was or plan C. Mm -hmm. So now, like, they could – they might – example, they have a free agent on their mind that they might be willing to pay $7 million. Well, now, with this injury to Vizankov – they might be more in line to offer that player more money and, you know, win that negotiation against other teams and maybe pay a little bit more than they should. But now that they know Vizankov might be, you know, really hurting and they'll have an idea within the next few days, yeah, they can pivot and pay maybe a little bit more money for somebody to replace that piece that they thought Vizankov was going to be. Right. Again, the and honestly, for him, the timing is also fortunate. If if he wants to play in the NBA, and depending on the severity of the of the injury, better happen now, and and you have you have that much time to to recover and go through whatever rehab. Hopefully, not much that that he's going to have to go through. There's there is a a silver lining in the timing of this. While you wish it never happened, there is a silver lining in in the timing of this happening now. And we'll see if you know this is a situation again of whether or not sucks, it's though. an MCL or, or something else. Again, it, it could it could be a, a, a knee hyperextension, but here's what I would say. I don't think they would rush him to go get an MRI if they thought it was just a hyperextension. Now, maybe, maybe. Again, they could be extremely cautious and wrap him in bubble wrap and get him to the hospital and say, let's just run all the tests we can run. So, again, we, we don't have an idea as far as what the specific injury is, we can just tell you. We can just tell you that he was carried off the floor. He's getting an MRI to the right knee. Looked like it could be serious. Uh, I, I know some people are already kind of reacting to this. Dwayne Baker said if it's an ACL, then bad news for Sasha. Not necessarily bad news for the Kings. There are younger guys that they can plug into that slot. Well, let's not get it twisted. They want Vizankov. Yeah. Like I said, they're not, they're not going through all the machinations that they've gone through since the season has ended. To to not not try and bring this guy over here. I, I like I said, 
It's not the only plan, but I'm pretty sure he's plan A. Yeah, there's, you know, you're not investing the time and investing the resources that they have invested to recruit this guy for all intents and purposes unless you really, really want him. And we heard Mike Brown talk about him when he went to go see him play several weeks ago, you know, talking about how he's a perfect fit and, you know, really waxing poetic about the young man. So Mike Brown certainly sounded like he he wanted Sasha Vizankov here in Sacramento. Uh, Timmy making it sound like we're freaking out here. I don't know what show Timmy's listening to, but he said, "Ain't nothing until more is known we're about going Sasha." All possibilities. They the way forward is never no hand wringing until you know. Give the boys a chill pill. I don't know what show you're listening to. We're not panicking. We're not freaking out. You can't even see my hands. You know I'm wringing them. We're, we're, telling, we're telling you what we know. Do, would you like us to ignore the fact that Sasha Vizankov injured his right knee, got carried off the floor, and is now having an MRI? Would you like us to ignore that story? As if nothing happened until we get news of whatever the injury is. That's not how the world works. <laughs> so I, I don't think we're going crazy here. We're letting you know what happened to Sasha Vizankov. And, you know, if any new updates pop up, if, if anything uh, more significant shows up, we will certainly give you that information as well. But then your we thoughts. Will panic. Then you'll hear panic. Yeah, like it, through your if it ends up being a pretty bad injury, then yes, I, I think you've got to start thinking about those, those contingency plans. Yeah. Uh, but your thoughts on this injury. Sasha Vizankov carried off the floor uh, in his latest uh, Olympiacos game earlier today. It's a right knee injury. He's been taken to a hospital, and he is receiving an MRI. Uh, I don't know if we'll have any word by the end of today what the injury is, but uh, that's the latest. Your thoughts on that, 916-339-1140 is the text line. The phone number is 1-800-920-1140. Also, don't forget, YouTube.com, Sacktown Sports 1140. Give us that thumbs up. Cattles and Rami giving you the breaking news. Give us the like for that. Uh, more likes, more eyeballs means an awful lot to us. All right, we'll get to your reaction about Vizankov's injury. Also, two NBA questions at the heart of this week's What If I Told You coming up next. Sacktown Sports. Headlines. Simone with your Sacktown Sports headlines. Denver Nuggets clapped back in historic fashion last night for Game 3 of the NBA Finals. Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray became the first duo to post 30-point triple-doubles in the 109-94 win, dousing the Miami Heat amid the palm trees of Kaseya Center last night. Nuggets take the 2-1 series lead. Heat looking to get back in the win column when they host Game 4 of the Finals tomorrow. The 305 also welcomes international soccer superstar Lionel Messi to South Beach as he announced Wednesday his commitment to enter Miami CF after his departure from Paris Saint-Germain. Florida Panthers also host the Vegas Golden Knights in the Sunshine State for Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Final tonight. Knights lead that championship series 2-0. Back on the left coast, gotta rack up Nevada's special session on the A's relocation, highlight the latest alien free agency notes, and tap into some Cattles and Rami Thursday funkiness. If you miss anything, re-watch the fun over at Sacktown Sports' very own YouTube page, or download the show wherever you enjoy podcasts. I'm Simone. Those are your Sacktown Sports headlines. Welcome back into Cattles and Rami. 
one brings Makloff magic, while the other, hmm, we're still trying to figure that out. Paddles and Rami. Sacktown Sports. We'll get to uh, what if I told you in a, in a minute or so. Uh, we got TCG weighing in on the Sasha Vizankov injury that just happened. If you're just joining us, uh, apparently Sasha Vizankov injured his right knee during uh, the game he was in earlier today. He was carried off of the floor down the player's tunnel, and all we know right now is that he is at a hospital getting an MRI on said right knee. We, we don't know the extent of the injury. We don't know the significance or seriousness of the injury, but obviously getting carried off of the floor and you know having an MRI should tell you that there's at least some concern that this could be a significant injury. Sure. We'll, we'll wait and see and find out what the doctors say, but this will impact the Kings offseason dependent on what injury we're looking at. I mean, if this is a serious injury, then, you know, Monty and company now know that Vizankov might not end up playing this You're season. You're freaking out, Nick. Calm you think down. so? Just relax, all right? Firing, firing the alarms? Jeez. Just settle down. <laughs> Trying not to get ahead of myself. Good Lord. We don't even know yet. We're over here panicking. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But, you know, the, the one silver lining, if there is, and obviously you don't ever want anybody getting injured, but we mentioned this uh, last segment. If there is one silver lining, then it's the timing. Because as I just tweeted at Nick C Radio, uh, Monty will have plenty of, you know, time to pivot to another plan if the Vizankov injury is serious. He will be able to adapt, adjust, and make the correct you know, changes to the plan to get the most out of this offseason that they can. TCG, YouTube.com, Sacktown Sports, 1140. Uh, this injury may have cemented Vizankov coming to the Kings now. He will want to jump on the money before his opportunity disappears. So that's an interesting angle of this as well, You know, a possibility of – Hey man, you know we we heard that Vizankov wanted to net at least five or six million from uh, this deal with the Kings on a per year basis from the reports we covered yesterday. You know now the whole nine ten million dollars might be way too big of an ask because of you know this injury. And if I confused people because I first said five six million and then said nine ten million, it's because of the net again. You got to pay somebody about ten million bucks for them to net five million right. in the NBA between right. agents and taxes and all the other stuff. You know, you pretty much cut their pay in half. So if Vizankov wants five million a year to be here net, he, that means he wants ten million a year gross per year to be here with the Kings. And now maybe Rami, I, I don't know if you would agree with this, but I, I think TCG's point is this: this will kind of place Vizankov into a cold reality of, hey, man, if you want to go to the Kings, anything can happen. You might not get the money that you want, but if you want to play in the NBA, this is a reminder there's always some risk if you don't pull the trigger. I mean, if this isn't like career-altering, you know what I mean, a type of injury, which, again, I'm not saying it is, and no, I'm not paying. As long as it's not that, I think it's probably best for Vizankov and the Kings that you just – Put off him becoming a king till if it's long term, but not like career altering. Let's say he's out eight months, a year, whatever the case might be. I think you're better off with the new CBA next year, a little more cap room, easier to bring him over and and add him to whatever you added this off season. The Kings, if he's not if he's not ready to play on opening night, 
I, or or soon thereafter, I think the Kings are probably out on Vizankov for next year. Now, this this also, you know, look, the, Vizankov has been talked about an awful lot as a, as a possible piece here, but he's not the end all be all. Um, he's not a super max talent. He's just a guy that seemingly would really help the Kings offensively, especially if he came off the bench. And he's a guy that seemingly fits really well alongside Domas. So it's not like, you know, a massive, they can't possibly, you know, pivot to something as good as this kind of moment. It's just this guy has been the focus so far because, you know, we're still a few weeks away from free agency. We're two weeks away from the draft tonight. He's been the focus of the conversation. And you would have liked to wrap up Vizankov as early as possible so then you could move to other things on your list that you want to address this offseason. Yeah, I think I was we, – we talked when, when you were out, Nick, Jay and I, about what's what's fair to expect from him. And I said an upgrade on Trey Lyles. May, maybe – Maybe something on the level of what what Keegan Murray did in in his rookie year, but I think even that is is a lot to ask of the guy. An upgrade on on Trey Lyles isn't something that heck you could bring Trey Lyles back and he filled that role very 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 finely for you last season. But getting somebody who's who's an upgrade on that, I don't think is something that's super hard or near impossible to find on the free agent market if it's not going to be Vizankov. All right, let's get to uh, what if I told you. And we got a couple of uh, a couple of NBA things. We'll try to squeeze them in here. First of all, we had all the uh, CP3 reports yesterday. Uh, he was going to get waived. He was told he was going to be waived. Then he wasn't told he was going to be waived. He could be traded. He could be waived to go somewhere else. He could be waived and then re-sign with the Suns for cheaper. All sorts of possible scenarios and hypotheticals being reported out there yesterday. Uh, here was Ramona Shelburne on those reports speaking to Mason in Ireland on ESPN 710. He can totally still play. He just can't be your best player. He can be your third or fourth best player. That's why I'm kind of surprised. But listen, I'm simultaneously texting like four people as you just read that to me because it's really shocking. Right. Um, that They don't do that unless they feel pretty good about somebody else. And I want you to keep your eye on James Harden. Okay. This, um, Interesting. I don't, don't want to report anything, but that was in the wind for the mm. past month or so. Interesting. Uh, so, Rami, what if I told you James Harden, Phoenix Sun? Okay. <laughs> Fine. I don't care. <laughs> Big deal, man. James, dude, James, oh, somebody's going to pay James Harden way too much money this offseason. I, I, I know we're going we're gonna to do some buy or sell later in the show on some of the top free agents out there on the market. So I'll give you a dollar number then. But somebody's going to pay James Harden way too much money to not win a championship. This offseason is what's going to happen. And if it's the Phoenix Suns, cool. Go go ahead and put all the put those eggs in that basket right there. And I, I and I, I can't wait to watch them fall on the ground and drop and, and yoke all over the place. Harden back with KD. It won't work, man. It won't uh, work. James Harden doesn't work. I, I ask uh, if, if, if you told me that, I'd ask who's going to go because you're not just going to bring Harden in with, you well, know. Obviously, CP3 would be gone. I was going to say, how much money do they free up with, with CP3 being gone? But you still have to, probably like 16, 17 million. At least 16, they can stretch it to 26. Okay. So you've got the CP3 money that can come off. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, obviously, I think would be traded. So, you know, you, you could make it work. Uh, I actually think it's a pretty interesting fit because Harden has shown he can facilitate. He wouldn't have to be the shot maker. Like, all Harden would have to do is facilitate the offense, 
and hit open shots because he's got Devin Booker and KD. Facilitate, kick it out, catch and shoot with those two guys, go to work. It wouldn't be awful. I would be concerned, though, because you got shorter flights to Vegas. (laughs) 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 And he could get to Houston pretty quickly, so I'd have some concerns there. Uh, Also, another what if I told you, Dame Dalla. Dame Dalla was on the last stand uh, recently, and here's what he had to say about his future. Everybody keeps saying Damian Lillard is going to be traded to the Knicks. Damian Lillard's going to be traded to the Heat. Damian Lillard should be traded to the Celtics. Damian Lillard's going to be traded to the Nets. If one of those trades went went through out of those teams, which one would you be like, ah, that's not too bad? <laughs> Miami, obviously. <laughs> Miami is the obvious one. And Bam is my dog. Bam is my dog, for real. Before I ask you. I think you had the same observation I did. His I mean, laugh is just like Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard, yes. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> we need to work on that behind the glass. Let's work on that. Kawhi versus Dame. You and I both. It was almost the same reaction as when the earthquake happened, where we looked at each other and we were like, huh? Whoa. I've heard that clip three times, and I didn't realize it until you brought it up, and now I can't unhear we it. We simultaneously had the same exact observation. There's he, some mind meld going on there. He laughs just like Kawhi. We'll get to that later on. But, Rami, what if I told you? What if I told you Dame laughs like Kawhi Leonard? What if I told you Dame to Miami this offseason? Now, that's a little scary. That right, and I don't, I don't know the salary ramifications and and who would have to go if if they were to get a dame. But man, that that guy because I think I've I've called I've called Miami and and Heat culture as as they call it a culture of psychos, just psychopaths who want nothing more in this world than to win. There's probably a few guys in the Heat organization who would sacrifice their own their own blood to to win a championship like yeah. they're yeah. they're that crazy and that's why it works with Jimmy Butler where it hasn't worked in previous stops I think Dame has that same kind of mindset and it's been wasted in Portland for a long time and just adding his his skill and and his 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 talent to that roster because then you're asking even less of Jimmy Butler Jimmy was talking about the fact that you know, this this playoff Jimmy thing, he, he keeps on trying to tell us it's not a real thing. But he, he makes a good point in saying that in in a perfect world, he's not a volume shooter or a volume scorer. And you bring Dame Lillard over, and he doesn't have to be, which means more time and energy that he can commit to the defensive end. In, in addition to what he could do on the offensive end playing off of Dame Lillard, it's a, it's a scary thing, Dame in Miami, to me. It's a perfect fit. Yes. It's a perfect fit. Perfect fit with the roster. Perfect fit with that culture. I mean, just perfect. Mm-hmm. Nobody in Miami is going to care if Dame decides to take 22 shots, 25 shots in a given night. It, it would be a perfect fit. That's that's what I would that say. To happen. All right, Emil Fragoso joins us to talk Niners coming up. <laughs> Live and local in the afternoon. They always keep you on edge. Cattles. And Rami. On Sackdown Sports. All right, we're joined in studio by our friend Emil Fragoso from SacktownSports.com. Check out that website, by the way, people. It is fantastic content. I hear good things. It's free. Totally free. You don't have to pay some kind of monthly subscription or nope. yearly subscription. No paywall. No, no none of that. Nothing like that. You go to SacktownSports.com. You get Emil. You get Frankie C. in the place to be. You get uh, Joe Jarose with his random one-paragraph stories <laughs> as he continues to work really hard. You that, can listen to us in that why, corner office. Why do you got beef with Jarose? 
Kyle I get, but why he, he inserts himself into the conversation all the time with just ridiculous comments. Just flies in. He's part of the discussion. Watch, he's probably listening right now. He'll put something in there. He most certainly will. He's, he's listening for sure. It'll irritate me. I love Joe. Come on. Come on. He's a good man. I love Joe. Joe's a good dude. He's a good man. Although he was, quote, unquote, sick WrestleMania weekend and, and he couldn't really say, hang out with me. He did say it's okay to put pineapple on deep dish pizza. I'm fine with that. Certainly that's, not. That's not okay. It's not okay. It's not right, okay. Emil? Thank pizza you. Does not belong on pe- pineapple doesn't belong on pizza. At, at all. At all. And, and at certainly not Chicago style. No, that's just, that's really That's sacrilege. It. That's, yeah. That's sacrilege is what that is. I love pineapple on pizza. You're a terrible Hawaiian, person. Yeah, Hawaiian you're, pizza, one of my favorite pizzas You're in the world. a bad person. Yeah. You're part of what's wrong with this world. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Not because of the pineapple pizza. No, sir, because of the pineapple. Yeah, pizza. Pizza. It adds on to it. That just tells me a lot about you yeah. and the person that you are. That I'm smart. Mm. No. It's not what I was thinking. That I love yummy things. N- no. no. Pizza and pineapple separately, both delicious. Yes. They don't belong together. They don't. You're wrong. You're wrong. Thank you, Simone. No. Love, love you now and forever. Can't tell me I'm wrong. I'm an authority on pizza. I think he is. <laughs> I, I think being from Chicago gives you that Well, you got some, like, uh, pizza credential? Where, from, where's your, where's your certificate? Chi- I'm from Chicago. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Loud. Enough said. All right, well, the mill's uh, chilling out here in the studio. Folsom Lake Honda hotline if he was on the phone. pizza, right? Yeah, I am. Folsom Lake Honda, your one-stop Honda shop. Let's get to the Niners here, Emil. We'll save the pizza talk for later. All right. Um, how has you, – you've been there watching these guys – Shirts and, uh, you know, shorts. Not, yeah. Nothing too nothing too crazy happening on the field. No. But how has the Sam Donald, Trey Lance, quote-unquote, competition taken shape early on? It's been a bit 50-50, I would say. It's Sam Donald's the first, getting the first team reps one day, then it's Trey Lance getting the first team reps the other day. It just really, it's a lot of back and forth. It, they they want to give equal opportunity to both guys to present an argument to say, hey, maybe if Brockby is not healthy week one, you can be the starter. So they want to they want to see and play it out the whole year. Even Bran Allen's getting some good reps right now, not with the first team, but just still getting some reps and still getting involved there. And so they're trying to create a quarterback room, not just have it be a competition, a room of guys that want to be there for each other and want to see each other get better. And so that's kind of the philosophy they have right now. I don't think we'll know if Sam Darnold is any better under the tutelage of Kyle Shanahan until until he faces real competition. Like, maybe yeah. we see something in the preseason mm-hmm. where we go, oh, Kyle Shanahan unlocked him. But when, when it comes to Trey Lance, we hear, you know, he worked with, with Patrick Mahomes, personal coach in the offseason, and the throwing motion is different, and he looks better. Did, did you notice anything different about Trey Lance any anything about him out there that's different on the practice field? Everything is different. <laughs> Every ev- everything. And I don't want to get. I don't want to do too much hype train here. But it was apparent from day one of OTAs last month that that throwing motion was different. It's more compact, more concise, much more to his level. There's no big wind up that he had. He used to have a big wind up that was able to get hit, hit the ball out. That's not there anymore. Now he's able to just throw it and throw it accurately. He's still learning the mechanics. He's still getting used to it because it's still a new thing. He only worked two weeks with Jeff Christensen, Patrick Mahomes' personal throwing coach. Um, but it did wonders to him. It did absolute wonders to him because his base is wider too. And as you know, you need a wider base to be able to throw deeper, be able to throw with your legs and not just rely on the arm. Mm-hmm. And so now that he has that, he's able to really establish and get more accuracy, which has always been the issue with him is accuracy and consistency. So his accuracy looks better and the balls aren't wobbly anymore. They're crisp and precise. Hmm. Emil Fragoso with us here, Cattles and Rami, in studio on this Thursday, Sacktown Sports. Lots of Ayuk talk, mm-hmm. Emil. And uh, I do want to have this disclaimer. I feel like I have to share this disclaimer. You and, should. And, and Emil knows where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Emil went to Arizona State. 
Oh. So let's let's just make okay. sure that's out there. Let's be fully right. transparent. Sure. Uh, I went to Arizona State, so he has a stake in this. But there's been lots of IU talk. Reasonable, Emil. Okay. Reasonable expectations given the quarterback mm-hmm. circumstances and the amount of weapons this team has. I think the quarterback thing is less of a circumstance for the weapons because last year they proved even with playing three, four quarterbacks, they can still put up numbers. They can still put up options. I mean, IU had his first 1,000-yard receiving season with all the other stuff going around, Jimmy Garoppolo right. to Trey Lance to Brock Purdy, doesn't really matter. Brandon Ayuk is a star. I really fully believe that. I, I know there's some bias ASU and stuff, but I watched him play at Arizona State. And I could see the route running and the cutting even there, and it's only gotten better since then. And what was missing for Ayuk, though, was the all-around offensive ability. He hated blocking. Didn't want to block, didn't want to be a team player. That's why he got benched rookie year. That's not a thing anymore. He's a full team player. He's committed and what's changed with Ayuk now is that he's a leader. He's out there being more vocal, being more verbal. I mean, every single player said it who talked to the podium, they go, who's the toughest guy to recover? The Amador Lenora said, Brandon Ayuk, no question. His yeah. route running is unmatched. Yep. Debo Samuel said, you can't cover that boy in a phone booth right now. I, I mean, these guys, they love this dude, and all the offseason trade speculation only made him better, it seems. I thought it was it was pretty remarkable what Christian McCaffrey was able to come in midseason mm-hmm. And immediately do. And I thought his his comment the other day was funny where he was like, yeah, I had a different coach every year in Carolina. So I was used to picking up new playbooks and new plays. It was nothing new to me. Mm -hmm. But is it fair with a full offseason to expect even better performance than what we saw from Christian McCaffrey last year? Sort of picking up Kyle Shanahan's offense on the fly and basically being the centerpiece of that offense in, in the second half of the year. Yeah, he's going to be better, absolutely, because he's he was here from the start of OTAs, the start of voluntary workouts at ground zero. He wanted to relearn the playbook and relearn all this stuff. I just wrote in my draft takeaways today that Christian McCaffrey trade was highway robbery. They robbed Carolina at gunpoint. That's how bad it was. You got him for a second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth next year. Mm-hmm. That's it? Leave it to give up first for this guy who's just turned 27 years old in his prime? I mean, it's more than just his play on the field. It's how he prepares himself, how he prepares his body, his workout routine. He runs like a sprinter, mm-hmm. like an Olympic sprinter. There was a play at practice yesterday. They just doing 11 on 11. It's a handoff. McCaffrey got held, and the ref didn't see it. McCaffrey furiously goes over to the, the referee and chews him out for 20 seconds. This is practice. <laughs> this it. is OTA. This Love is it. a mandatory mini camp. Trent, Love it. Trent Williams had to pull him back. This is just the way this guy is wired. It's just if you, if you know Christian, you know he's just a different cat. He's a different animal, and that's what makes Christian so awesome. He's a, he's a tone setter and a leader. Last one for you, Mill. I'm going to get you out of here because uh, we had a lot of the pizza talk to begin this. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I did. I want to ask you about the offensive line. Yeah. Um, should we be concerned, worried, or just fine with the right side? Just fine. I, I think McKivitt's his, his due justice. It's, it's time. I think it's time to see what he's made of. I think he's been a great swing tackle for the Niners the last couple of years. And I think what his role now is going to be, you know, just be as good as McGlitchy or better. Mike McGlitchy was good, but he also had his hit or miss moments. He, yeah. He had yep. issues with pass blocking, especially. That right side was an issue. Now giving him that that that's that spot, letting him work with Burford, letting him work with Williams. Trent Williams even said it yesterday. He goes, "It's it, it's about damn time, pretty much. It, yeah. It's it's due. It was due for McKivitz to get this spot." And so that's what's exciting is that the other guys, the veterans who have been there forever, they see the potential with this guy. His name is Emil Fragoso. Again, you can check out his work at SacktownSports.com, and please do because I hired the young man. Mm-hmm. Make me look good <laughs> for my time at PD. Brought him in. <laughs> 
Uh, so Emil can be found there at SacktownSports.com. He gives you all the information on the Niners. Also does a little bit of Raiders as well for you. Some MMA he sprinkles in. Soccer. Big soccer guy here. Got an NBA mock draft tomorrow, too. Hey. Quickly, uh, Messi to MLS. What's going on? Massive. It's going to happen. It's Romano confirmed it. That's all you got to hear is once Fabrizio Romano confirms That's what it. I said. Yep. I was like, when Fabrizio Romano confirms, oh, you, you, stop you it, know right? it's a done deal. It's a wrap. No, seriously. Once he confirms it, it's, it's, he is Come the on. godfather of transfers. Yeah, Fabrizio this is, this is Romano dude. is the godfather of transfers. MLS. Everybody knows that. It's, 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 it's like when Beckham came to LA Galaxy all those years ago. It's that's, massive, it's exactly, massive, massive, massive. Exactly can he bend it I like said. Beckham? That's exactly Even better. Messi's the goat. Mm-hmm. Messi goat. can bend it better than Beckham. He's the goat. The man's the goat. He's good at what he does. And so is Emil Fragoso. By the way, he's on the uh, Folsom Lake Honda hotline, kind of, sort of, because he's in studio. Folsom Lake Honda, <laughs> your one-stop Honda shop. Emil, man, thank you. Appreciate you stopping by. Do this again more as we move forward and closer to the season. Uh, but what we've got to do what is something I've been looking forward to. Which is? Coming up here. This is, this is the time when we can all have some fun with the A's getting dragged by the <laughs> Vegas, the Nevada legislators. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that coming up next.